go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. I am Thursday, September 1st. Yes, it is September, which means it's football season. Penn State plays tonight. You got the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. We got some college football. But you guys don't want to hear about college football. This is an NFL show. This is an NFC East show. So I'm Jeff Kerr, and I got my man Tone DeShields with me today. It's Tone Thursday. I'm not sure if I want to do Tone Tuesday or Tone Thursday yet. We're still in the, <laughs> in the works there. But, Tone, how you feeling, my man? Hey, Jeff. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good. You know, it's a beautiful morning in Philadelphia. And, you know, we have a lot to discuss, my man. A lot happened yesterday. And, you know, I'm ready to jump right into the deep water, man. Let's get it. Well, to start. Eagles got more than a bag of peanuts for Jalen Rager. They actually, they got draft capital. They might get a fourth round pick for Jalen Rager. That, that, that's crazy based on playing time, of course. And we'll go through this right now. Jalen Rager gone. Eagles cut their ties with him. There's been talks about a trade for a couple days now. I, I think the Eagles wanted to get this done before the whole 53 man roster was finalized, but they couldn't. They still were able to get a deal done. So the Vikings get Jalen Rager. The Eagles get back a 2023-7 and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. Could be a fifth, depends on Jalen Rager's playing time. But, Tone, just initial thoughts on Jalen Rager being out of the Eagles after just two seasons. It's unfortunate. Um, I, like to, I like to take it from the human perspective first. Jalen been through a lot. You know, he lost a good friend two good friends at that, you know, in the past few years, lost his grandmother not too long ago. He's been through a lot as a person. So anybody, no matter what your profession is, you're going to be distracted. You're going to have things that you're worried about outside of the game. And it's, and it's going to be hard for you to be the best version of yourself. Now, some people, they, they wallow and some people, they rise. And I'm not here to say he was either or, but from what we were able to see, Jalen Rager wasn't able to really get over the hump, and he has struggled consistently in the city of Philadelphia. And let's be honest, Philadelphia is not an easy city, not an easy city to play for. Most players that come through the city don't last. It takes a special breed of player, a la Jason Kelsey or Brian Dawkins or Malcolm Jenkins, and I can go on and on. This city is not built for the faint of heart. And Jalen, you know, a lot of people get on him about where he was drafted. He didn't draft himself. A lot of people get on him being drafted in front of Justin Jefferson. Again, he didn't draft himself. Most of his, most of the things you get mad at him about, he he's not culpable for that, except for his play. Harry Roseman is responsible for bringing Jalen Reagan to this building. So, honestly, Harry Roseman needs to wear this. I know a lot of people are running around the city as if this is a victory lap, but in reality, this is a, this is a sign of a failure. Not that Jalen Rager is a failure, but this decision was a failure. This move, this investment was a failure. And we had to essentially barter him for 
a seventh round pick and a conditional fourth. Am I right, Jeff? Yep, conditional fourth, which could be a fifth. I mean, you got something for the guy. I want to add on to this. I actually love how the Eagles just basically wiped the 2020 season from our existence. They just took that infinity gauntlet, snap, gone. That that COVID season was an absolute disaster. From Carson Wentz wanted out. They drafted Jalen Rager to give Carson Wentz a weapon. They wanted a more vertical offense. Jalen Rager never provided that. And I, I agree with you, Tone. It's not Jalen Rager's fault he was picked over Justin Jefferson. My downfall with Jalen Rager was he paid attention to what Jeff Kerr said, what Tone DeShield said, what John McMullen said, what Rob Ellis said, Derek Gunn, Barrett Brooks, you name it. He cared about what we said, and he blocked too us much. on Twitter. Care yeah, about too much. Too much. And, and, you know what? I, I don't care. Athletes want to do that. That's fine. I, I always liked Jalen Rager. Thought he was a good guy, but I think that's every battle right now with young people. They they just care about what everybody thinks about them, and good or bad. And unfortunately, I think Jalen Rager had some growing up to do in that regard. But again, it's like you said, Tony. He's been through a lot too. When you lose your best friend in Jeff Gladney the way he did, lost your grandmother. And again, like I'm sure there are a lot of expectations on him. His dad was an NFL player, a good NFL player for a lot of years, Monte Rager. Good guy, too, by the way. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations there. And I, I like I like now how he gets a fresh start. I, I really do. I like how he gets a fresh start in Minnesota, gets a chance to build his own narrative, build his own career outside of Philadelphia. I again I like Jalen Rager a lot. I hope he does well there. But man. Now you got to face the demon of playing with the guy who was taken after you. And I know Rick Spielman's not in Minnesota anymore, and I work with Rick Spielman now at CBS. But it's still kind of hilarious how the Vikings just laughed in the Eagles' face when that video came Jeff, out. Jeff, it's so funny. To, well, not funny. It's actually crazy to me because he can't seem to get away from those demons. He, can't get, he, he couldn't get away from the Philly demon. The moment he gets away from the Philly demon, now he's – being chased by his counterpart, you know, the, the Justin Jefferson demon, you know, he, he's, he's running away from ghosts and his ghosts keep finding him no matter where he is. And, you know, let's be honest, he got traded, he got traded to an offense that is corporate. That's why wide receiver friendly. He's going to, he, it's a high volume offense and, you know, he's going to be the fourth, maybe, maybe third option on that team barring injury. Um, you know, Adam Thielen has struggled to stay healthy these past couple seasons, so you never know what may happen. But I think it's ironic that he's been paired with um, Justin Jefferson, a guy that he's been compared to his entire career. And I don't know if that's better for his growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a lot of people think just the change of scenery would be great. I agree with that change of scenery was necessary. But for him to go to the team, for him to be in the wide receiver room of the player that his career has constantly been compared to, how do you how do you get away from that? How do you how do you really find a fresh start when you know the old is still following you? And you know what's funny about this too, Tone. Uh, adding on, think about this. Justin Jefferson says pretty much he's going to make the Eagles pay for passing on him. I think he's going to make every team pay for pay. But I think Justin Jefferson thought for sure he was going to be a Philadelphia Eagle when it was his turn. And I think he was just like, "What? Wait, what? Like?" This guy got taken over me? I think he could live with the Henry Ruggses, the Jerry Judys being taken over him, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, I'm sure he he knows he's better than them, but, you know, when you're feeling out the draft board, but I'm sure you and me are like this too in a lot of aspects, Tone. Like, wait, this person's better than me? Seriously? 
And I think that's how Justin Jefferson decided to live his career. And it's worked out really well for him. But you're right. Like, Jalen Rager can't exercise those demons. And, yeah, he's going to be a fourth there. Um, you know, it's K.J. Osborne's there. And Thielen, again, depending on he stays healthy, Justin Jefferson. But it's a – like you said, it's a high-volume offense. It's a good opportunity for him. He has an opportunity to kind of rewrite the script. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to be, like, this all pro or anything like that, but – and if you can get, like, 30 catches for, like, 500 yards out of Jalen Rager if you're Minnesota, I think you would take that. But overall, I just got to give Howie Roseman a ton of credit here. And I got to yeah, add yeah. on to that. Yeah, yeah, I got to add on to this. The Dallas Cowboys got a 2022 fifth and a swap of 2022 six-round picks for Amari Cooper, who is t- a thousand times better than Jalen Rager. When you put and it in perspective he- that way – it it, 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 make, it makes it seem like Howie Roseman made out like a bandit, and that's that's what I continue to tell people. He he's Howie Roseman is probably your top five GM in this NFL. Say what you want about him, I understand. Yeah, he's not I, the I best. know top ten, but uh, it's not a stretch to say top five. It's not. Yeah. Now now, granted, he's not the best talent evaluator. I'll give people that, but these past couple drafts, he for the most part hasn't been missing. All his draft picks have been able to contribute, especially last year. Devontae Smith, Kenny Gainwell. Landon Dickerson, um, you know, he had a straggler from, you know, previous drafts. Quiz Watkins, I think, was that 2020 draft, right, with Rager? Something, yeah, something like, that. So, like, like you miss on Rager, but then you get a guy in Quez Watkins. And that 2020 draft, you might have found your franchise quarterback in Jalen Hurts, depending on what he does this year. And you might have a solid contributor in Quez Watkins. So it wasn't exactly terrible. I know he put the Infinity Gauntlet on a lot of these picks. Davion Taylor just got waived, too. So the That's bad cool. Yeah. Well, this is funny. And I, I, I'd love to ask Ed Kratz about this, like what happened. Because when I was at camp early, Damon Taylor looked good. And then all of a sudden, he was bad in the preseason games. And, you know, Ed, Ed was at the joint practices. I'm curious to hear. We're going to have Ed on 720. I wanted to get to this, too. How do you feel about Jason Pierce in the Cowboys uniform? <sighs> You know, this is a two-part thing for me. Part of me is saying, well, you know, he's a professional. You got to make that money somehow. He loves the game. Whoever wants to give me a chance, hey, I'll take it. But the pride in me is saying, how could how could you even consider a role like that? Isn't there any other team looking for a left tackle or a rotational left tackle? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just having a hard time. You know, I'm, I'm wrestling with it. My fandom tells me, come on, Jason Peters. You're 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 going to retire an eagle. You're a Super Bowl champion. But the the cynical version of me, you know, the pragmatic version of me is, hey, you know, he, you know, everyone needs a job. And but at the same time, all money ain't good money. It is true. Now I will say this though: the the toughest thing for me growing up was again, grew up an Eagles fan. I was Randall Cunningham's first quarterback I remember. Now, this is toward the tail end of his career. Like, he, he got benched for Rodney Pease in 95, the first year. I really remember watching them. Randall Cunningham, pretty much, he didn't end his career with the Cowboys, but toward the end of his career, he started for the Cowboys. And, man, was it weird watching him in the Cowboys uniform at the vet play against the Eagles in a big game. It, it just was. And it's going to feel like that with Jason Peters for a lot of Eagles fans around here. And I, I don't care. You want to go break your bread, go go make an extra million, go ahead. It, here's the irony, though. He might be their best left tackle if they sign him. Because we all know what Tower Smith's going to do. 
he, he might be – he was ranked in the top 25 in pro football focus last year amongst left uh, – no, not even amongst Still? left. Yeah, he was a top 25 tackle, left or right, in football last year. He actually did not have a bad year for the Bears. The Bears' offensive line just sucked. Did he play the entire season? He played 15 games. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I completely lost track of his career. I knew he was playing for the Bears, but I didn't know, you know, how he was being used, if it was a rotational guy. You know, I just – He was in 2020, and I think that's how we remember him because he didn't come back. Remember, he was going to play left guard, and then, again, that is one of the moments in the NFL I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when – Who's going to be their left half? Oh, Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard got hurt in 2020. Jason Pierce is going to be the left guard. Remember, the Eagles brought him back to be a left guard. I would love to be Jason Peters. Just watch Jason Peters go into that office when the Eagles asked him to switch back and just demand a pay raise. Because you know he was smiling. Of course. Of course. He knows left tackles get paid more than guards. Oh, yeah. And this is before the Eagles knew, like, Jordan Mulata was going to be Jordan Mulata. Like, exactly. there was a lot of hope there, but you know what? I, I'll blame Jason Peters. It, it seemed like he was looking for an opportunity to start on a contending team. And uh, let's be real here Dallas is probably going to be a playoff team this year, regardless of their offensive line situation. So it's an opportunity for him. It's going to be weird. And honestly, it probably does help the Cowboys in the long run because then Tyler Smith could play left guard where they want him to play. But I think it's a good challenge for Tyler Smith. But, again, Jerry Jones said Tyler Smith's going to be the left tackle. Connor McGovern's going to be the left guard. That's how it's looking right now. But But you know what they say. It's not about what they say. It's about what they do. And if Jason Peters is in the building visiting, how much do they believe in Tyler Smith? Exactly. And we just saw this. um, Who's the guy who made the quote? Oh, Kyle Shanahan, Trey Sermon. Oh, he had this great camp. Yeah, we really believe in him. They cut him. So – don't give me that. It's like you said. It's what they do behind the scenes. And they're bringing in Jason Pierce. Like, why not Eric Fisher? But then again, when I looked at it, Jason Pierce had a better year last year than Eric Fisher did. So I think they're looking at it as, okay, you know, if this guy wants a paycheck. If this guy impresses, he can still play. I, I don't have an issue with that. And it's going to be weird. But, again, it's going to be weird for Eagles fans. Overall, though, this is great content for this show. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, the whole Jalen Rager situation – uh, Jason Peters potentially playing for the Cowboys. At the end of the day, the NFC East is one of the most talked about divisions. Say what you want about the teams. There are only a couple divisions in this NFL that actually move the news cycle. And that's the NFC East. And you can make an argument that it's either the AFC North or the AFC West. Not too well, many divisions actually move the needle like the well, NFC East. Though. The AFC North is going to be moving the needle no matter what happens with Lamar. Yeah, you know, that's that's the whole thing. Will Lamar sign a contract? Will he not? Yeah, it's like you said, the AFC West, it's – so, I, getting a little off topic here, but do you know they did, like, a panel of writers for the pick the winner of the AFC West and no one picked the Raiders? No one did. Really? And, and the one guy just said – I think he was – I forget. I want to see he was a Broncos beat writer, and he said, I'm sorry, I just can't pick against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Okay, I mean, so, you know, that division is – look, I, I honestly anticipate the Chiefs to take a bit of a step back because they lost Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is a game-breaker. 
You know, I understand Travis yeah, Kelsey. I is because I, I've watched my fair share of Chiefs games over the years. I'm, I'm telling you, Patrick Mahomes is going to be better without him. It's weird. Think, uh, really? You know, you, you might be on to something. You might be on to something because, you know, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is in this point of his career where he's beginning to not rely so much on the big plays. He's been taught yeah. now to really accept, you know, take the check downs and really nickel and dime you to death. And I think that's where, you know, quarterbacks really start to mature when you start to see them really utilizing the entire field and being able to surgically um, dismantle the opponent. Which is great for the NFC East, by the way. They don't have to face the AFC West this year. That's not the division – that's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, it is. that's why I think a lot of the teams in this division are going to have better records. Like that's why I think Washington, the Washington Commanders, have shot the playoffs. So sometimes you just got to look at the schedule and the teams you're facing, and I, I think that plays a, a big role now. Obviously, what, what happens on the football field, but the Eagles aren't playing the Chiefs this year. Remember when the Eagles were struggling at the beginning of the year? They were playing the Raiders, who ended up being a playoff team. The Chargers were pretty much a bonehead Brandon Staley decision away from being a playoff team. The Chiefs were an AFC championship team. It's that division was good last year. Now, now you're facing again. See, this is where I lose my train of thought here. I forgot what division the Eagles are facing. Oh, oh, the AFC South. The AFC South. That's right. Right, right, right. But again, the AFC South is not the AFC West. You get to face the Texans. You get to face the the Titans. The Jags, you know. The, you know. Yeah, the Jaguars. Like Jaguars are going to be better, but and again, the the Dallas Cowboys will face the same thing. So. Yeah, I, I think that's why the NFC East is going to be in pretty good shape this year. Yeah, definitely. Hey, backstage we have our guy, Ed Cracks, in the building. Ed, Ed welcome to the show. My we'll get you on right after the break here. Remember to hit that like button, uh, comment on the show in the comment section here. Good morning, NFC East with Jeff Kerr. And, Tone, once again, I appreciate you uh, for this first segment, my friend. All right, no problem, man. Listen, you guys, we'll be back after this break. We'll see you guys in a bit. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Philadelphia treasure. He's a mentor, a pace setter. Jim's my North Star. He's trusted, revered, appreciated. He is Action News. He's compassionate, honest, 
and fair. He is extremely dedicated, motivated, and always seeking the truth. He's also funny. We are a team of many. Jim Gardner is our leader, and we're lucky to have him. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Sports Illustrated here today covers the Eagles on a daily basis. A good friend of the biz, and how you doing, my man? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Congratulations on the new show. Good luck. Oh, I appreciate it. So, obviously, I brought you in here to talk some Eagles. And how weird was it in the building yesterday, not knowing who was on the practice squad, trying to trying to figure that out, be be your little uh, Scooby Doo, if you will, yesterday. <laughs> it, you know, Jeff, things were happening so quickly um yesterday between them trading Jalen Rager of course the big one uh and then adding to the practice squad and then you know releasing Davion Taylor uh former third round pick and then Jason Kelsey and James Bradbury returning to practice and Miles Sanders not returning to practice so you know things were really happening quickly so uh it it was pretty busy Um, but of course the big news is the trade of Jalen Rager really well, yeah, and that's the first thing I wanted to bring up. So why didn't it work out here, Ed? You know, I think there were a few reasons. Um, first, you know, obviously he was compared to Justin Jefferson and there was a lot of pressure put on him, and uh, that's not his fault. But, you know, what could potentially be his fault, what I think is part of his fault is, you know, he came in and he just didn't work hard enough. You know, I think he was a little bit – sometimes a little bit lazy in his work ethic, running patterns, um, didn't always follow through with them. Uh, I don't think he was real happy when he didn't get targeted during games, uh, and, and therefore he didn't always run out his patterns. Uh, I also think, you know, he didn't stay in the best of shape. You know, I remember last year he came in, he was he was out of shape, he failed his physical. Um, so I think there were things out of his control the Jefferson situation and things that were under his control where, you know, he just didn't work hard enough. You know, I don't think that work ethic was, was there from the get go. And uh, I think both of those reasons are, are why it didn't work out for him. And that seemed to be his red flag at TCU, right? Dan run his routes hard all the time. And I think a lot of people seem to blame the bad quarterback play, but it kind of carried over to the league. Yeah, it did. And uh, you know, it's interesting that Howie was able to really get anything for him uh, just based on that. Uh, you know, I mean, I think if you would have taken Jalen Rager maybe in the second round where he was probably projected to go, um, you know, maybe things work out. Maybe he doesn't feel that pressure uh, of having to come in and, 
you know, perform like a number one pick and maybe he doesn't take some things for granted and does work a little bit harder. Um, you know, but you hear all the time players competing with a chip on their shoulder, you know, guys that don't get drafted where they thought they were. And I don't think Jalen really ever had that chip on his shoulder. He just kind of had the sense of entitlement that he was a number one pick and that he was going to make, you know, the team for however long he was in Philadelphia. So, you know, it just didn't work out for him. His numbers were pretty bad, to be honest, for a first-round pick. Only three touchdowns. And, you know, he did have that electric 70-plus-yard punt return in Green Bay as a rookie, which was, you know, encouraging to see. But, you know, beyond that, uh, really didn't do anything. Uh, and now he's not here anymore. And it's ironic that he's with the team that took Jeff Justin Jefferson. I did think it was funny. I wrote an article for CBS Sports yesterday because I figured, you know, Eagles fans wanted to know why Jalen Rager was still on the team. This is before, right. probably an hour before he got traded, it got published. And, you know, Nick Sirianni pretty much saying he's had a great camp, you know, giving you all the the political speak, I guess, on, you know, why Jalen Rager's on this team. But I'm sure you guys shook your heads at that on when Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni were giving that speech. Yeah. And, you know, listen, that was one of my biggest surprises. I wrote something on my three, you know, kind of my my biggest surprises off of, uh, you know, the cut down day Tuesday. And uh, one of them was that Jalen Rager was still here. Um, you know, I had a, a couple people tell me that Howie was looking for a fourth round pick with it to become a condition uh, with it possibly becoming a third round pick based on stats and playtime and stuff. And that, and that was kind of the holdup and that's what he wanted. Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, he ended up getting a seventh. Maybe that was the sweetener. He did end up getting a fourth round pick, but that can deescalate into a fifth round pick based on statistics. If Rager doesn't meet whatever those stats or playtime percentages are, then it would become a fifth. And that's not till 2024. Anyway, this, you know, the seventh rounder I think is next year. Uh, but maybe that was the sweetener. And plus, I think he just wanted the roster spot, number one. And I think number two is he just felt like it was it was time to move on. He was a real logjam at that receiver position. And, uh, you know, Rager was only going to really return punts, and he would have been kind of a break glass and emergency type player. And in other words, if something would have happened to, you know, the first four players on this roster uh, at receiver, Smith, Brown, Pascal and, and Watkins, then Rager would have seen some time. But he wasn't going to get a whole lot of time here, so why not get rid of him? Um, and, and you know, he came down a little bit in his price, but not much. Uh, I'm surprised he got that much. But, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, because Tuesday Tuesday evening when we talked to Howie and Nick when he was asked about Rager, they were they gave the response. And they were, you know, Ray, uh, Roseman was very glowing. You know, hey, he's the only guy that practiced every day this year, and we knew we had to find a, a role for him. Role, by the way. It was right. That's exactly it. What, what was the role? It was a fifth receiver who returns punts and, you know, not much of a role, uh, but they seemed a little clipped in their answer. You know, they, they talked and they said what they said and then they stopped, you know, usually, you know, Nick will go on and on and on about something. Um, but he was even short in his answer. So you wondered if I wondered if something wasn't in the works and, and we've seen this before, you know, Eric Rowe was a, a player back in 2016, a former second round pick that was it was kind of surprising that he was still on the roster um, because, you know, Jim Schwartz wasn't a big fan of his uh, back in 2016. And then several days after the 50 man, 53 man roster was turned in, the Eagles traded Rowe to the Patriots for a fourth round pick. So, I mean, we've seen this before, obviously, where 
guys make the 53 and then they get traded a couple days later. Um, so that was the case with Rager. So now who gets this spot? Because Britton yeah. Covey, you got um, you know, Deion Kane, uh, Devin mm-hmm. Allen. I mean, Devin Allen could be in the mix. Like who, who uh, of those three, who's going to be promoted? Well, I, the only one that really returned punts is Britton Covey. And, you know, right now, if the season opened in an hour, they don't have anybody to return punts. Um, so they, they've got to obviously find somebody that can do that. I don't know if there's anybody in house. I mean, you're right. I'm not sure who, what they're going to do, but you, you wonder if they were really um, that excited about Covey or Allen or Kane. I mean, they're all on the practice squad. Why wouldn't they have just, you know, elevated them yesterday after the trade uh, and not risk losing them. If a team comes along and says, Hey, we want to take Allen and add him to our 53, then he's gone. So uh, it makes me wonder if they're going to go out and try to find somebody out on the waiver wire and, and bring him in Um, because they need somebody obviously. And I'm not sure they're that excited about Covey, um, maybe Kenny Gainwell can do it if you want to stick with Gainwell. I mean, I, you know, I, I've never seen him do it. Uh, he practices it sometimes, but he's never done it in a game to my recollection. So, and he's had a hard time catching passes this summer. So I'm not sure he went Gainwell. At least Covey can catch the football. And that's, you know, ball security is a huge thing in the punt return game. And then whatever you get after you, you field the punt, is, is gravy is bonus, but it'd be nice to have some explosion back there, but I don't even know who's out there on the waiver wire. I haven't really studied, you know, too many teams uh, moves uh, since cut, cut down day, but I would expect something to happen soon, Jeff. I mean, we're what nine games out here until the starting, until they go to Detroit. So they need to get somebody in here that can do that. And they do have a roster opening. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that works out. Yeah. I see two roster openings on this team. Honestly, like you said, return man, and I guess they need another running back because they're going with three now, but they bring in the Michael P. Ryan on the practice squad. And now I'm starting to think, okay, they might need a fourth running back in there. Uh, what say you? Yeah, I'm not sure you need four running backs uh, on a 53. I mean, they like what they have at that position. And that, of course, is dependent on Miles Sanders if he can get back uh, and play. Uh, and I, God, I can't believe he hasn't practiced. I mean, how serious is this hamstring injury? You know, I mentioned we saw Kelsey come back. He had an elbow scope. He's back. James Bradbury had a groin that cost him a couple weeks. He's back. But Miles still stands there on the sideline throwing the ball up in the air and having playing catch with himself. So, you know, it's a little frustrating, I think, if you're the Eagles – to see that because I think they would want him on the field if he can come out and practice. So I think a lot depends on him, Jeff, if they're going to bring another guy in, it's going to be dependent on miles Sanders, health. If he's healthy and I still expect he will be, maybe we'll see him at practice later today. Um, they're just going to ride with three and they're going to stash guys on the practice squad. If they can, as you know, like I said, a break glass and emergency type guy, if they need him. but they like Sanders, they like Scott, they like Gainwell. And I, and I think that's all you really need is, is three running backs. You, you don't need four. Cause only, you know, one of them is going to be inactive on game day. Right. So, yeah. you know, you expect all three of these guys, these running backs to be inactive. I mean, Boston Scott wasn't active last year for his first game until the middle of October. So, I mean, you know, yeah, we thought it was going to get cut at some point last year. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think they like what they have and they're going to ride with it and they're going to see what Sanders can give him in the final year of his contract. So it's funny with Miles Sanders too, right? Because I, I, 
Next time I talked to Brian Westbrook, I got a joke with him about this. Can you imagine Twitter in 2007 with Brian Westbrook? It seemed like he never practiced the entire week. Then he all of a sudden, Andy Reid would have a ramp up by Friday, and he'd play, and he'd get, you know, 150 scrimmage yards. It feels like that's going to be the case with Miles Sanders this year. Well, it might be. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure every player can do that, just kind of flip the switch and get ramped up, you know, on a Friday to play in 48 hours. You know, I'm not sure, you know, Brian was able to do it, but, um, you know. all the rare breeds, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I'm not sure Sanders will be able to do that. I mean, you know, listen, the guy has struggled to catch the football. The guy can sometimes fumble the football. And if you're not practicing and getting better and working on that technique of, you know, holding the ball or catching the ball, I just don't see how you can just, you know, all of a sudden flip the switch and be ready to go. If you're Miles Sanders, he he needs to learn how to catch the football again. You know, I mean, he still struggles with that. And we've seen it since, his, you know, his rookie year was phenomenal. What, 50, 51 catches for over 500 yards catching the football. And you thought, my goodness, this guy's going to be, you know, a Pro Bowl player for a few years here. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. And not practicing, I don't think, is a way to get any better with that. So here's another one I'm looking at, too. The Eagles are quarterback. They brought Ian Book. Uh, Jordan Schultz uh, reported last night that they actually put in a waiver claim for Calamon. They didn't get him because they were 19th in the order, but they settled on Ian Book. Um, I got to watch Ian Book a little bit last year. I remember he started the Monday night game, but it just seems like he was a better option than what they had. Well, let's face it, neither one are very good. I mean, really, what do you <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a third string quarterback here. Um, you know, Kellen Mon, Ian Book, wh whoever it is. If you're playing them on a, on a Sunday afternoon in the fall, then you're in big trouble. So, uh, can they be developed? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, maybe you can develop them into a backup if you were to you know, lose Minshew or decide to trade Minshew and you think, hey, Ian Book, man, he looks great on the practice squad. Let's put him at number two as our quarterback. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I see that. Uh, you know, they're just kind of a, an, an emergency situation guy and you try to develop them, but they're, they're not the answer. And really, what difference does it make? Kellen Mond or Ian Book, they both, you know, they're both, you know, very average to below average quarterbacks. And I, and I don't I don't mean any offense to those guys by that. I mean, I'm you know, I talked to Ian Book when during his pro day on Zoom when they were doing the Zoom pro days, you know, back uh, during the pandemic. And, you know, he was a big fan of the Eagles. You know, the Eagles, uh, he talked about the Eagles having worked him out. Um, and, you know, I thought, you know, maybe he'll come to the Eagles. And he won, you know, he took Notre Dame, I think, to two college playoffs, right, during his tenure yeah. as, as a quarterback there. So great college quarterback, or very good college quarterback. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a big step up. And Kellen Mond, he's got some mobility. You know, maybe similar to Jalen Hurts, he can make some things happen with his feet, and that's probably why they liked him a little bit to try to claim him. Lost out on the claim to the Browns. He went to the Browns. But, you know, maybe that's what they saw in him is maybe, you know, they could develop him into something, you know, maybe kind of a Jalen Hurts light, if you will. Um, but, again, I'm not too concerned or worked up about it. I can't believe they're keeping three quarterbacks on the 53, to be honest. Yeah, they're they're keeping three, and the Cowboys are keeping one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no one was going to claim Cooper Rush or Will Greer. Let's be honest, but right, and they I, brought I, them back, right? Dallas did bring them back. Yeah, they brought them back. They're on the practice squad, but I'm thinking to myself, and a Cowboys uh, writer pointed this out to me yesterday. Jeff, does it even matter if Dak gets hurt? <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, really, it's if he's hurt, they're done anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I'm looking at it as okay, but. 
They still have like $20 million in cap space, which brings me to my next point here. Tony and I were talking about this, Jason Peters. You know, <laughs> like he might go to the Cowboys and they have money to spend and their, their left tackle situation just doesn't look good, Ed. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no, it doesn't. When you're bringing in Jason Peters at 40 years old, who, you know, I mean, I know he already started 15 games for the Bears last year. The Bears weren't good. I mean, there was some footage out there of Peters just getting burned around the outside with speed. Um, yeah, bring him on. I mean, you know, if you're the Eagles and the Eagles fans, you, you hope the Cowboys sign Jason Peters. I mean, that he's just – I don't think he has anything left, to be honest. And uh, That's a real desperate situation in Dallas. If they're trying to bring in a 40-year-old left tackle who should have retired five years ago – you know, good luck. Um, that's just, to me, that's not the answer. And I think if you're Hassan Reddick with that speed coming around the edge on Jason Peters, that that's advantage Eagles in my opinion. So, um, yeah, I, listen, I know they're in a hard, hard spot. You know, they, they didn't bring back a Collins. He left for Cincinnati and, you know, they had some injuries, uh, you know, I think Connor Williams was also gone, or Connor McGovern. Yeah, Connor, Connor Williams is in Miami. Yeah, he he's gone. So I mean, they just didn't do a very good job of of fortifying that offensive line. And you know, that's where I guess Eagles fans are a little spoiled. I mean, you look at the offensive line that the Eagles have had in place, you know, for the last decade, and it's it's phenomenal. You know, and they continue to add pieces and prepare for the day when guys like a Jason Peters is just not effective anymore. And, you know, we've seen it with the drafting of Cam Jurgens at center for the day when Kelsey retires, you know, we've seen it with Landon Dickerson coming in uh, as a second round pick. So, you know, that's one thing that the Eagles fans, you know, are, are spoiled by is a great offensive line. Cowboys just kind of dropped the ball in that department, in my opinion. And even Dak Prescott not having a backup. I mean, yeah, you know, let's face it. If that goes down, they're in trouble. But that's because their backup quarterback situation is so bad. If you're if you're an NFL team, you want to at least have a capable backup that can go in and give you a chance to win games. I mean, Ben DiNucci came in here last year. He was horrible as a backup, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the Eagles face some pretty bad backups, but the Eagles have a good one in Minshew. You see what in Indianapolis, Nick Foles is backing up Matt Ryan. I mean, uh Jimmy G's going to back up Trey Lance in San Francisco. I mean, there are back, good backup quarterbacks out there. So the Cowboys not only dropped the ball in the O line by not, you know, you know, continuing to draft and throw resources at that position, um, and they don't have a backup quarterback. And yeah, I, I mean, there aren't many great ones out there that can come in and do it. But if you're the Cowboys and you think you have a roster that can win now, you better have a good backup plan just in case something happens to Prescott. Yeah, the Colts kept Sam Ellinger, and they Frank Reich and um, Chris Ballard pretty much said, look, he had great preseason. Yeah, we have two quarterbacks, but we knew he would have got claimed on waivers if we cut him, so we're not cutting him. He's our guy. You know, He's the guy we drafted, we invested in. And you're right, the Cowboys just haven't done that. They, for some reason, they think Cooper Rush is some answer, and he's been waived by them a bunch of times. He's been waived yeah. by the Giants now. It's I mean, I'm surprised they didn't try to bring back Andy Dalton at, at some point this year. I mean, he was a free agent yeah. for a while. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, where is he in New Orleans now? Yeah, I he's think, in New right? Orleans. Yeah. yeah, so the Eagles may play him in December, I think. Isn't that when New Orleans comes here? It's late yeah. in the season. So yeah, it's like, what Jameis Winston's going to look like down there. But, yeah, Andy Dalton, there's a guy that can come in and win you some games. Um, yeah, I'm surprised the Cowboys uh, really didn't do a better job in that area. 
Their method of roster construction was really weird. Like, they kept all their defensive line, which is fine because that's the strength of their team. But wide receiver, they're not really that deep in. It's, I, I, yeah, Jalen Tolbert's not had a good preseason. But again, look who's throwing him the ball. Maybe he's going to be better with Dak. I, you know, I, I don't know what, what went on in Oxford there. But outside of running back, defensive line, cornerback, there's not much to, well, I guess linebacker too. But the, you're looking at the Cowboys, you're like, wow, they got a lot of holes on this team. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the D-line. They lost Randy Gregory. You know, oh. they thought they were bringing him back, and he ended up taking more money or whatever it was, the situation, again, going to Denver. So, you know, he's a big loss on that defensive line. Um, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch, I know, you know, he's had the injury history, I think. With he had a good camp, though. So He, he had a good camp, yeah. Um, and, of course, Micah Parsons, you know, really came on the scene last year. He's, you know, he's so good. <laughs> And so fun to watch, but uh, yeah, and and you know, Stefan uh, Trayvon Diggs, you know, back on that in the cornerback spot. What do you have like you know, fifty-five interceptions last year? <laughs> Anthony Brown, Brown's yeah. a good number two corner. I think a lot of teams would take. Yeah, him. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think their defense is still is still pretty good, and everybody's kind of you know thinking the Cowboys aren't going to repeat, but I. I say not so fast. I think they they're still going to be a, a good, you know, above average team in the league this year. Offensive line woes aside, just because I do like Dak a lot as a quarterback, and I and I I love C.D. Lamb, phenomenal. I like Dalton Schultz, their their tight end, yeah, um, and, and I think the defense is pretty good. So you know, everybody's just overlooking the Cowboys and thinking, well, they're gonna they're gonna fall on their face, and they might. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I don't think they will. I think they'll be uh, very representative, and they'll I think they'll be in the hunt for the NFC East title for most of the season. A spoiler team, I think, is going to be the Commanders. Um, again, everybody's looking at Carson Wentz, and, and honestly, I don't think Wentz is going to be the downfall there. It's when I looked at their fifty-three man roster, it was just kind of breaking stuff down for the show this week. I was like, wow, they got no one at linebacker. They had to bring back John Bostic, who just got cut by the Saints, so they're desperate there, and outside of Kendall Fuller and um, I forget who their cornerback is, but they got two good starting cornerbacks. But hmm. Benjamin St. Juice is like their backup. It's it seems like the defense of ironically could be Washington's downfall if the line doesn't get any pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, it could be <clears throat> it very well could be, and um, it's they put a lot of resources into that D line. I mean. Chase Young, he's he's still out, right? I mean, I think yeah, he's it's going to be Casey Tuhill. It looks like he's going to start. Yeah, Eagles seventh round pick from twenty twenty, um, and the Eagles wanted to get him back when they cut him. They tried to you know sneak him through waivers and then bring him back, but the you know credit Washington there, they they jumped on him, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see Casey Tuhill. But yeah, the Eagles aren't playing Chase Young in that first game in week three. That game comes up quickly, but. Um, I loved Brian Robinson coming out of the draft. And, I, you know, I got to say, I like Jalen Tolbert a little bit, too, from South Alabama. I like yeah. him coming coming in. So, you know, maybe he can develop as the season goes on. But Brian Robinson, to me, was a guy I thought the Eagles should have tried to draft. Uh, very unfortunate what happened with him getting, you know, shot in a carjacking situation there in Washington. And, you know, hopefully he can return this at some point this year. It sounds encouraging that he probably will um, be able to return, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, that offense that offense might end up being better than the defense. Um, I don't know. I just don't – I mean, I think they have some offensive line issues too in Washington. Um, 
you know, who I don't know who their tight end is. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, Logan Thomas is probably going to start the year on the pup. I, I, I forget if they actually did or not, but he's been coming up slow with the ACL. But yeah, yeah you're right. Like, they kept five tight ends because their backups are hurt. So, yeah, I, I mean, what's like tight ends? <laughs> yeah. And, and let's face it, you know, the NFL season, the way it's set up right now is you don't play much in the preseason, right? So September is kind of like preseason take two. Um, so you want your guys to get healthy. You know, you want to get see what you have in house. And then, you know, you hope in October, November, you're ready to ramp it up. So, you know, maybe by then Logan Thomas will be good to go and Chase Young will be back. And, you know, I could see maybe the commanders being a better team uh, as the season goes on. And this is Carson Wentz aside, you know, we'll see where he is uh, as the season goes on too, if he's able to stay healthy. I know he was last year, but, you know, you hope that, you know, they get some guys back and that, once October hits, you know, you're ready to start rolling. And, you know, you could say the same thing about the Eagles a little bit too with, you know, I guess, you know, uh, Miles Sanders, who knows what's going to happen with him. But you want your guys to be able to be healthy going into the deeper part of fall. And in September, you're just trying to figure out how to tackle, you know, because you haven't done a whole lot of that. Uh, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens with the commanders and, you know, see who gets healthy once uh, – well, you know, once we get into October, but the Eagles are going to play them in September, and they still have some hist- you know, some uh, issues. So that should be a game that the Eagles should, you know, be able to get down to Washington and find a way to win. I would think. Oh yeah, I would think so too. But all kidding aside, like if Carson Wentz, even with his flaws last year, complete sixty-two percent of his passes, twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. Yeah. If he does that, do the Commanders make the playoffs? You know, he's he's always done a good job of uh, not throwing a lot of interceptions. I mean, his his ball security is pretty good. It's just other aspects, you know, bad decision making or, you know, terrible overthrows, you know, on big downs, uh, you know, not being able to execute uh, when he needs to. And, you know, maybe holding the ball too long or trying to do too much and try to run the ball and, you know, that that might have been good for Carson Wentz when he first came into the league, but you know here he is several <clears throat> injuries later. You know with the back and the knee and the you know the concussion, uh, he's just not the same quarterback. He has to change his style a little bit. Um, but the one thing he does do is he throws touchdowns and he doesn't throw a lot of picks. And if he has a twenty-seven and seven season again, I mean we saw it with the Colts. They didn't make the playoffs. They had a shot to do it. And he, he, you know, he did, wasn't able to help them get it done. And, of course, there were a lot of issues last year with the whole, you know, vaccination thing. He tested positive for COVID, but he was able to play. So those issues I don't think will be around now uh, this year. So, um, yeah, I think if, if he does that, the commanders could sneak in there and surprise. Maybe I don't see them winning the division. I'd be surprised at that. But maybe they can sneak in and somehow grab a wild card spot. But. You know, there are too many question marks right now as, as we sit here on the 1st of September to say, hey, yeah, they're, they're going to be a good team. I just – I don't see that right now. My biggest concern with him was last year. Remember when they beat the Patriots? It was on Saturday night, and they said Carson Wentz did a great job managing the game. I'm like, he went 5 for 12 for like 57 yards. I think it was I, – I forget who said on the NFL Network, but I think it was the only time I yelled at the television last year. <laughs> like, come on, like this guy's making all this money, and you're going to tell me he was a great game manager because Jonathan Taylor had an MVP performance. Like he, he can't do that with Washington. That Their receivers are too good for that to happen. I, I can't believe you know, you've only yelled at the television once in your life, Jeff. I mean, oh, I've yelled at the television, but this yeah. is last year. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you should watch me turn a Phillies and Sixers game in. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I yell at the television quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, do you want your quarterback to be a game manager to win games and only throw for you know whatever however many yards he had? I mean, I think eventually you need your quarterback to to win games for you. And you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not being efficient in the pass game, and that's one thing we'll see from the Eagles. You, you think is they're going to try to throw this football this year, right? They they brought in AJ Brown. Hurts is you know you hope he takes that step. So you need your quarterback to win you games and. You know, if Carson Wentz can't do that, if he loses you more than you win, then obviously it's an issue. And he's running out of chances. And I know in Washington, the GM came out and said, hey, you know, he stabilized the position for us. But it's the preseason. You know, he didn't really do a lot. How, how can you tell that he has stabilized the position until the season gets started? You know, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, but he, he's got to he's got to carry his weight for Washington to try to get to where they want to go, which I guess is to the playoffs, right? That's every, yeah, every team's goal, like win the division. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's 29 years old, right, Carson Wentz now, which is hard to believe, but he's that old. I mean, he's going to be 30 in January. I mean, that's really crazy when you think he was just here not that long ago. It was two years ago. And here's yeah. the funny thing, Ed. He's the first – I didn't realize this. I was looking up some stuff like after he got traded to Washington. He is the first quarterback ever to start for three different teams in three consecutive seasons before he turned third. The, really? The only one? Yeah. I, they said wow. they, this is since 1950. And I was looking pre that and I'm like, whoa, I don't think there's been anybody, unless, you know, there may have something might happen in the 20s or something that they don't have a record of. But mm. from how far they kept back, I was like, whoa, this is. Like, how is that possible? Like, usually they're out of the league by now. It's good research by you. I mean, you're going back to the leather helmet days, right? No face yeah, mask. Exactly. I mean, that's, going back that's to Steve Van Buren here. Yeah, that's far enough back for me to say, wow, you know, that's amazing that no quarterback's ever really yeah. done that. I thought uh, Dave Craig or someone or Boomer might have done it, but no. Three, it's so it's three straight years starting for a different team before the age of 30. Hmm. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. Starting, yeah. starting in week one. Starting in week one, which – I mean, I guess that's what happens. You're a high draft pick. You get more chances. I guess in some situations, I mean, you know, some quarterbacks don't have that, you know, like, I, I don't know why, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess because when you look at that 2017 season, you know, what he was able to do, I mean, that, that I guess still has some, some shelf life left. I mean, he was, he was going to probably be the MVP of the league until the Eagles went to Los Angeles and he, he ripped up his knee. Um, so, you know, maybe that's why. I mean, maybe you still look at that tape and you're like, wow, man, that guy made some plays. He made some throws, some Houdini acts, you know, escaping pressure. Um, but he's just not the same guy. I mean, that's that's what is amazing to me. First, that Washington traded for him. I thought he was going to be stuck in Indy and maybe get released. But, you know, Washington stepped in, guaranteed his contract, right? Paid his contract. Um so we'll see. It feels to me like it's his last chance. And maybe that will spur him on to thinking, hey, I have to play quarterback a little differently now. I, I'm not the same Carson Wentz at 24 when I first came into the league or 23, however old he was. You know, I have to like, like we saw Randall Cunningham do it. Right. Randall Cunningham was a scrambling quarterback. Injuries caught up to him. He went to Minnesota had an MVP type year. Right. With the Vikings. Took him to the, four years in the league. Yeah. Took him to the NFC title game. Uh 
but that's because I think Randall was able to evolve his game. You know, he became less of a scrambler and became more of a passer in the pocket. And you want to see Wentz make better decisions in the pocket and not be so quick to leave and see ghosts and whatever it is he sees and tries to force plays. You don't, you don't want to see that from him. You want him to see him take his game to a different level now um, and become a different quarterback. Ed, I appreciate you coming on, my friend. This was a great conversation. Hope to have you on again in the future. Hey, thanks, Jeff. My pleasure. Yep. Ed Kratz, ladies and gentlemen, uh, from Sports Illustrated, does a great job covering the Eagles. Uh, I, I get to talk to Ed at pretty much any Eagles game I go to, any Eagles practice. He's always a great follow. All right, Jody McDonald. And I got to give him and John McMullen some love here. First 365 is coming up next, but first we got to put a bow on the show. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Plan your day with confidence. Definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand. And keep your family safe with Action News and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Well over seven inches of rain. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising right now. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. On TV, on 6abc.com, and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action News and AccuWeather. The team you trust. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the pulse. And the pools. Go for the ooze. And the oz. Go for the bubbles. And the bubbly. Go for the story. And the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Well, once again, guys, we're going to wrap up this program here, and I'm going to get this little bugged out. I didn't get a chance to in the opening or, or with Ed Kratz, but the Giants claimed uh, Jack Anderson off waivers from the Eagles. Uh, you know, Josh Sills made the team over Jack Anderson. That was a tough cut for the Eagles, I will say that. But it did not surprise me the Giants claimed Anderson, given their history with him. So Jack Anderson was actually a seventh-round pick by the Buffalo Bills, right? Well, who was with the Buffalo Bills when Jack Anderson was drafted? Joe Shen, their GM. Brandon Brown, who was with the Eagles, brought Anderson to Philadelphia. He claimed Anderson off the Bills practice squad, and Anderson was on the Eagles roster. So the Eagles developed him. Well, Brown's in New York, too. He's he's pretty much the president player person. I, I forget his exact title, but he's got a pretty big role there. So... It did surprise me that Jack Anderson ended up with the Giants. So, by the way, Shane Lemieux is going to be on the pup list, so he's going to miss at least four games. Or it's either the pup or the IR list. I, I forget where they put him, but he's going to miss the first four games of the year. And with the Giants' guard situation, Jack Anderson, the 10th 11th lineman on the Philadelphia Eagles, will probably start for the New York Giants at some point this season. So that's how deep the Eagles are on the offensive line. you got to give credit to Ty Roseman. Jeff Stoutland, a lot of those guys. Um, you know, Jack Anderson's a good player, and I think he might have a chance to start in New York. So that'll be interesting here. All right, guys, um, hit that like button. Um, I'm glad you guys are enjoying the show. We're going to have a good one on Friday. Um, I'm going to have Alan Bell, my old boss at CBS. He is now one of the kings of Sportsline. Uh, that's our uh, gambling site over at CBS. He is a great follow. Tomorrow's Football Friday. We're just going to go crazy with just talking football and I'm sure I'll be fired up at Penn State wins tonight as, as you can see I got my polo on so you know go nits um I'm excited man it's football season's finally here we're a week away from kickoff uh first 365 is coming up next Jerry McDonald John McMullen I'm sure they'll have a great show I'm sure they're going to talk a lot about Jalen Rager on uh, the football playbook with Rick Saratello's on at 10 sports take at 12 uh, National Football Show with Dan Cilio at 3. Great lineup here at Jacob Sports, but please hit the like button. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying Good Morning MC East. I'm having a blast doing it. Going to be on every day, 7 to 8 a.m. Uh, subscribe to the Jacob Sports YouTube page, and I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.